Hello everyone, welcome back to It's a Wonderful Podcast. I am particularly excited, as I feel like I say at the beginning of every single episode of the main show. But it is a big special today, because not only is it the end of our grand old Hollywood Meets New series, which started us off on both shows here on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed for 2024. It has been a great run that was chopped up right in the middle with a special milestone 250th episode of Morgan Hasn't Seen. But it has been a wonderful, wonderful series. It ends today. And if you're looking carefully on episode numbers of this show, well, we've got another milestone coming up pretty soon indeed. So we're very much excited for that. But today is a big double feature to close out this cross show series. It is Paul Newman week as we talked Road to Perdition on Wednesday which was his, uh, of course, final on-screen performance. Not his final movie, which we discovered, or at least told, was Cars. Yes. Pixar's <laughs> Cars, which is a weird final movie for Paul Newman. But we have one of certainly his most uh, iconic, most famous characters that he ever played. I think, in discussion today over the course of these two movies. Are these perhaps some of Paul Newman's very, very best true A-tier, I was going to say, or should I say S-tier, if people like to do tier lists of things? Are they right up there with the very best of Paul Newman? Because today we are talking The Hustler from 1961 and its sequel, The Colour of Money from 1986. Janine, the sport of pool, holds a very big place in my heart. I've often said it's my sport. People people might think, of course, you know, me being British and everything, like football and things, and I mean not American football, real football. And obviously... (laughs) I've always said, no, I don't actually like football. I just am football. And I feel like that's the case with many British people is that they are just born into football and it can never leave them. It's simply just a part of them, whether they enjoy it or not. Here we have a sport I genuinely really really enjoy and always have enjoyed Q sports, billiard based sports, as you would call them. And really, these are the best movies ever to deal with this kind of sport and take it very, very seriously, really get into the psyche of what this sport can do, but also very much uh, lean into its gambling origins or its origins within gambling. The whole centrepiece of both movies is the gambling and the obsession with greed that comes with a gambling sport of this kind. Some could call it a low-class sport. It was a very contentious issue, particularly around the time that The Hustler came out. The Hustler really... it, it, It proved to be a 
Well, or the hustler proved a return in popularity of the sport of pool. Yes. I think, and helped to maybe legitimize it a little bit more that people actually in the game itself at the time were trying to really, you know, push that point of view across. Yeah, um, popularize make it seem it. like a more well not just popularize it, but push it more as a as an artistic sport rather than a low class gambling kind of bar scene sport. Yeah. Yeah. That it it can be viewed as and it and it can be viewed as the you know very professional sport that it is in some circles. I think it's got a great place as both from my uh, in my opinion and from my perspective i think this movie deals with the lower class side of this sport particularly well so i don't know you know where where does pool fall on your sporting obsessions janine i can't imagine it's particularly <laughs> high uh not necessarily but i mean i do enjoy playing pool i'm not great at pool however i do remember um my senior year they offered a elective pe called like adventure pe so during that pe hour we would do different kind of more fun activities so it would be a very like specified that day so you would do instead of doing like your basic running a lap or whatever it would be like tennis one day or flag football another day uh or bowling this was one adventure day. <laughs> yeah just that's what they called it <clears throat> um or bowling uh and then we also did a pool day so uh, I remember I, me and my partner, we were actually like the top pool players of that day because I just had a very okay. lucky day where like we actually played the best. Um, but generally, I am not a very well-versed pool player. Anything that happens with me and pool is also very lucky. I think the same thing happened again. Uh, during a family reunion where we had like our own little mini pool tournament and me and my sister-in-law ended up winning the pool tournament. Uh, so very much luck. I'm not saying that I have any kind of skill. So I'm just, you know, saying all of this to say that it is a game I do enjoy playing. Um, however, I'm not very good. But uh, it was nice to, to watch these movies and really see the skill and effort and, uh, you know, kind of passion even that goes into something like this that could just be written off as a casual bar game like darts or something. It's definitely a lot more goes into it than that. Um, and to see kind of how it ignites these characters in a way, I think was really interesting to delve into. So um, no, not a huge pool enthusiast, I, but you know, I do have a pool table in my house. Um, it, it is a game I do enjoy watching. Like it's actually like a sport that I, I enjoy being a spectator of. Um, and having fun, you know, playing it myself and doing very terribly. So, uh, yeah, definitely these these movies, uh, I was able to kind of get into more than something like, you know, I did talk about on our Field of Dreams episode how um, while the emotion of that story captivated me, I maybe felt slightly alienated by the passion for the game of baseball because it's not something that I inherently, you know, love like that. But because I do have, you know, more of an appreciation for pool as it's a game I've played, it's a game I enjoy watching, 
I could definitely maybe tap into those emotions a little bit more. Well, this is very, very good. Then <laughs> I don't think I was quite expecting a, maybe not an equal level of obsessive dedication, but this sort of better than baseball, as you say, in your mind. So I, I, I appreciate this. I think this is doubly more interesting of an episode now, but it does what you've just said bring up the thought to me that you would fit in more with the style of pool played in the color of money than you would with the style of pool played in the hustler because in the color of money they are playing nine ball a notoriously luckier form of pool and <laughs> yeah. a form of pool i don't like a great deal of uh, at all yeah. um i much prefer the style of pool being played in the hustle which is straight pool you call each and every shot each ball is worth a point and you just play to as many points as you set at the yeah, beginning. Yeah, see, I'd be terrible at that because I, it's very much luck of wherever the ball goes. I'm like, oh, I got one. <laughs> That's like very much me not calling, oh, this is going to go there. I'm always surprised if the ball goes anywhere I want it to go, let alone making it in a pocket. So, yeah. Yeah, which <laughs> is why you see in the pool matches in the Hustler before every shot, you will hear Paul Newman or Jackie Gleason mm -hmm. call the ball and call the shot at before yeah. every single one. And you don't hear that in the colour of money. I don't know what discipline of pool you were playing in this adventure PE tournament you had. I'm not sure if you even remember. I would imagine it was eight ball because eight ball is played in neither of these movies yet is the most popular form of pool, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was the, the the most kind of just basic version. However, yeah, we were not calling any pockets or anything. Um, so yeah. Well, I do not want this to turn into Morgan dissects the entire sport game of, of <laughs> game of pool and various other Q sports because we do have two really wonderful movies to actually talk about here. And what I think is the great thing about individual sports movies and i mean that as in sports movies that about in, that are about individual sports not team sports is that you can really get into individuals psyches yeah. within those sports quite interestingly the hustler is directed by robert rosson who did body and soul from 1947 Ooh, yes. which was a great boxing movie that we covered with john garfield on this show as well definitely go back and listen to that episode if you haven't i feel like there's a lot of obsessive driven need within the two characters within john garfield and with fast eddie in well yeah another movies but particularly in the hustler i think there's a real almost immature need to be on a table to keep going to keep playing when he knows he's down and out or he knows he's even up that we see at the very very beginning of this movie he struts into that pool room yeah the, the ego beginning. takes over the ego completely takes over he plays the most notorious great pool player in there in the city minnesota fats there's an interesting story with minnesota fats in this movie and the real life minnesota fats because yes there was a real life pool player called minnesota fats who 
we all think was based on Minnesota fans. No. <laughs> or, or based himself. Yeah. yeah. Or based himself off Minnesota fans in this movie. But no, he actually didn't because he just picked the name Minnesota fans. The real man picked the name Minnesota fans from Jackie Gleason in this yes, movie. Yes, he just It took wasn't it. the other way round, yeah, as many yeah. people <laughs> think it was, because the real-life Minnesota Fats was very much a product of the gambling house pool wow. scene. Mm -hmm. And the Hustler's pool advisor, as it were, was Willie Moscone, who has the Moscone Cup, which is a pool tournament that's now named after him, a real formative... Uh, person in, in the in the history of professional pool he was totally against you know minnesota fats the real minnesota fats and this idea of it being a gambling house sport he wanted to you know promote the artistic quality the professional quality of yeah. it that that was pool's first great rivalry between those two and you can find matches that they played against each other in later life on youtube and they are bickering with each other the entire wow. matches in these very staged <laughs> like las vegas settings they are just bickering with each other the entire match and nudging each other and going yeah come on then you, you try and make that <laughs> you missed it You're okay it's really oh my gosh wow. it's so petty <laughs> it's phenomenal to watch like two real old masters of, of this kind of game but with very different mentalities anyway i'll stop talking about the history <laughs> of pool stop me talking about this sport in particular because this movie the way it starts is kind of hard to watch and it kind of gets tougher and tougher from there on right up until it leaves you with a certain sense of fulfillment and satisfaction. I think it's a greatly structured movie. Paul Newman is is wonderful at these kind of troubled, introspective characters yeah. with so much charisma, with so much charm. I mean, he's dazzlingly good looking in the movie oh as my he gosh. was <laughs> in the early sixties. Yeah, but he he does at the beginning of this movie he struts into that pool room challenges minnesota fats ends up playing him for over 24, 24 hours, hours. yes yeah. because he's just winning games and earning all the money and you know he's getting really really up on his money but he just does not know when to quit and he's got his kind of little quote unquote manager next to him who isn't really yeah. doing much a guy called charlie who has no authority over Eddie whatsoever. Yeah, he And Eddie's just going him. and going and going and going. Yeah. And Fats is just going and going and going. And Fats starts coming back into it. And he starts coming back into it even more as the hours roll by. And by the end of this ordeal, Eddie's on his knees with barely anything left where we saw him not five minutes before being like three grand up or something like that. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, in, in the early 60s is way more than it's worth now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really quite significant. But 
his ego not allowing him to just happily Stop. walk away mm -hmm. there and then. And George C. Scott, who is the prime villain of The Hustler, is, you know, begins the movie as Fat's manager almost. Yeah. Does, you know, the guy who arranges games for yeah, Fat. Kind of his money man, like holds his money for he, him and that. He's he's so ruthless to Eddie at the beginning of this movie. He straight up calls him, You're a born loser. Yeah. Which infuriates Eddie so so much and by the end of that game we see that he kind of is because he does not know when to quit he has so much left to learn and george c scott knows this right from the instant he sets eyes on him and he manipulates him for the rest of the movie then george c scott is particularly snarly in yes. this movie i uh I do kind of really like him in this movie, though, as, as horrible as he is and just despicable as some of the things he does and what results from some of the things he does leave us with a real gut punch, a devastating moments oh, within the yes. movie due to the result of what George C. Scott has done and, and his personal greed and his obsession with money that we see in other characters in the color of money i think the hustler is far less interested in the greed of the game of pool because i think it puts the greed of the game of pool as very clearly the villain yeah it's George more got the picture of George yeah, and, Scott. And it, it's more this it's more about the power and the manipulation of of the hustle and and using that um Definitely, I think the title speaks more. The, the titles of both of these films are based on, I think, novels, right? Um, yeah. Really tap into those two sides of this whole kind of pool world. Um, the Hustler definitely playing into the power of, of manipulating the hustle um, and the power you gain from from the winning um, more than the 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 uh, monetary gains for sure yeah uh is a great the color of money might as well be that that one montage from al pacino's scarface where it's just counting money and stacks of money everywhere <laughs> in the entire movie oh yeah the big push it to the limit exactly <laughs> the color of money might just might as well just be that montage for its entire runtime it's that obsessed with the money side of yes the game in that particular instant i mean that's what i think is great about the color of money i think it encapsulates that 80s american obsession with money in particular so yeah. so strongly and the hustler is more personal it's more individual to individual i think and yes the hustle is a big part of it but it's really more about mind games and what people can say to each other without saying anything at all yeah and that's in strangely enough in a romantic sense in the hustler as well and a frightening amount of time of the hustler is spent on the romance story the troubled romance story of two ultimately troubled 
kind of obsessively driven yes and, and there's an awareness i mean i think we even have uh piper laurie saying a line before they really kind of get more deeper in this relationship that we are both troubled and we should just stay away from each other um yeah. but we've already established uh paul newman's eddie character to be very stubborn and you know thinking he's kind of above anything so he really doesn't heed this warning um and decides to kind of go all in with her um so yeah a very troubled relationship kind of brewing on top of all of this uh hustling that's going on in the pool world so both sides of eddie's existence are very much uh wrought with you know potential turmoil which we kind of see coming from a mile away but he's so oblivious to because he's so single-minded in his focus and you know you talk about this director doing body and soul again another individual sports movie uh so i think he's really uh doing an excellent job as you said kind of tapping into the psyche of a character in terms of how he relates to this sport as opposed to kind of a team dynamic um and how different characters uh, really kind of see the game differently and, and go about playing it and even, you know, working their hustle in, in unique and different ways, which we also see really well done, you know, in in The Color of Money, how different hustlers uh, kind of work their grifts in, in yeah. very specific ways. It's not a one-way type of thing. Um, it's fascinating. Yeah, it, it's I mean, really interesting. George C. Scott has his whole spiel where he calls Eddie a loser at the beginning of the movie and s speaks about how, really, to be a great pool player, it takes, you've got to be a character. You know, it takes character and you've got to be a character. You can't just be a good pool player. It's not about playing pool. It's about being a character. Yes, but even even oh. him calling him a loser is 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 a hustle. It's his manipulation getting Eddie to react in a certain way so that he'll do something in a certain way uh, that he wants. And so I love that. Yeah, because he sees how good. He, yeah, yeah, because he sees how good Ed, Eddie is in yeah. that opening enormous game we get to start the movie, and he wants to earn money off of eddie because eddie is a phenomenal pool player i mean some of the pool playing by the way in the hustler i think is i think is, is better than the pool the actual physical pool itself is better yeah. in the hustler than it is in the color of money i feel like i don't know scorsese in the color of money he's kind of shooting the pool scenes themselves of which there are an awful lot more there's an awful lot more of actually playing pool in The Color of Money than there is in The Hustler. Yeah. And Scorsese's shooting it as a very dynamic. Everything's always moving. Everything's very fast and it's all, all kind of over the place. Not all not not in a bad way, not all over the place in a in a messy sense or anything like that. But it's very very dynamic. The camera's always moving around. Yeah. Yeah. It's more sweeping in the hustle there's a lot there's a lot of fade editing with the pool it, it feels like a bit of a dance and paul newman says this as much or eddie says this as much about fats at the very beginning of the movie says he's like a dancer look at that big man 
gliding around the yes. table like a ballet dancer, mm-hmm. always knowing exactly where his feet are, exactly where his hands are, totally concentrated, totally focused. That's the sense I get from the sport itself in The Hustler and the sport in The Colour of Money is this kind of manic, crazy, thunderous break, um, you know, insane shot kind of punching every ball in attitude which is very appropriate for that movie but for the hustler kind of the elegance calm it down a bit yeah yeah improve on the elegance or boost that elegance up because i i just feel like it's captured so well in the hustler and there's not that much pool actually in the movie. I mean, there's some stunning shots played, and given the fact well, that yeah. Paul Newman and Jackie Gleason both played all but one of the shots. Yes, Moscone only did one shot, uh, one one um, of the pool shots. The uh, the rest were done by those two men who just learned, you know, especially Newman, who who kind of trained himself. I I read that he moved his dining room out of dining table out of his house and replaced it with a pool table so that he could practice at home for weeks and weeks. I love the dedication. Let, I mean, let's call it what it is. Paul Newman has shown himself here in two movies to be a pretty damn good pool player. Yeah. Um. There's one particularly outrageous shot he makes in the the first match in the hustler where he 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 banks the the cue ball off of one of the side rails and hits hits a plant into the corner pocket it's a ridiculous shot yeah that he plays that i was so phenomenally impressed by because the two balls weren't that close together so there was a gap there that he had to judge the angle of. And Paul Newman's just straight up done that because it's just a one-take shot. Or I don't know if it's a one-take, but it's a one-straight shot. There's no edit yeah. there. Yeah. And I feel like way more in the colour of money does Scorsese, or I suppose does Thelma Schoonmaker, have to actually cut between people playing shots and people making shots. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like The Hustler is very much more... You can tell it's that new. They're actually playing, playing the shots. Yeah, yeah. I felt very different about you know how those were cut. I think yeah, I agree. Like with Color Money, it felt like there were quite a few more quick uh, cuts uh, in that with the pool playing as opposed to the hustle where you really saw everything, uh, which, yeah. which I think was so much more you know speaking to the skill and the elegance and the fluid nature of, of the game and uh, uh getting to see them play just really kind of involved you more as 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 a viewer so yeah there's a beauty to the sound of pool balls crashing and smacking yeah. around as well that i just really really um I'm very satisfied by i i always have been like i say i have this inherent love I think for the game of pool and other, you know, the Q sports as well. Snooker, I am a particularly big fan of, although snooker is way less popular in the US. Nobody plays snooker <laughs> yeah. in the US. But people do still, of course, play pool. Pool, I suppose, is way more of an American sport than it is a British sport. Yeah. Or an English sport. English you know, we have our own version of pool, which I really don't like either. It's on a much smaller table with much smaller, lighter balls and is 
fiddly and horrible, I'd much prefer a, a full American-sized table. Ah. Um, I find myself way more comfortable on one yes. of those, and it just feels a little bit more feels a little bit more more pool. I know that doesn't really mean <laughs> yeah. it just feels more pool more to weighty. Me. Um yeah. but yes, I, I really sorry yeah. again I've talked no, no, about no, that's okay. No, I I because I was really excited to kind of see you know your perspective on these films as knowing you to be a very uh enthusiastic uh, or pool enthusiast yourself. So I was already kind of very in much anticipating your kind of thoughts on these films. Uh and just another thing I read about these men and their real life experience with pool. Um, I do believe Paul Newman made a little wager with Jackie Gleason. Uh, and so Paul Newman ended up breaking. And then after that, uh, Jackie Gleason proceeded to take the whole table and Newman never got another shot <laughs> after that, ultimately Gleason winning that game. And just out of pettiness and kind of for the gag of it, Paul Newman ended up paying the bet all in pennies, <laughs> like a thousand. Nice, pennies. I like so, it. So, so yes, just a fun kind of little behind the scenes story that I read about uh, these men actually playing pool together through the process of making this movie. Um, especially love some pettiness against Jackie Gleason because I, you know, I, I've heard that he was not the the greatest person. So. Uh, yes. Well, yeah, I mean, the, you can hear many things about people from many sources. It's also said that they became friends, the two of them, in the, on, on this yeah. movie. Um, and Paul Newman is, of course, known as one of the most pleasant, most wholesome, most charitable people yes. within old Hollywood, even if you call this, you know, early 60s old Hollywood. Um, he... You know, he comes from that same era-ish yeah. as as some of, of, of our real old Hollywood stars. And, you know, whether he became friends with Jackie Gleason, you know, we can't necessarily prove it's just said that. And whether Jackie Gleason really was as terrible as some sources say he was, yeah. you never really know. He may, he may very well have been... But, um, I mean, he's not in it for a great deal, Jackie Gleason. No, I mean... At the beginning and the end, in the two major pool matches you see in the but movie. But he still wore, got a Oscar nomination for this, his one and only Oscar nomination, so... Um... Yeah, which I'm not sure is particularly needed. I mean... No, definitely I would definitely give it to, you know, George C. Scott, who, who did not want it because he very much, you know, famously had his beef with the idea of competing and acting unless you were playing the same character. Like he thought, OK, I will. I, I think competition is warranted if I'm competing with someone who was playing the same exact character as me, but for completely different roles, completely different genres of film competition is stupid i hate the academy awards <laughs> so what a fascinating <laughs> philosophy on yes. the oscars that george c scott had though you can't fault him for that no it makes perfect makes sense. sense yes so he he pulled himself out of consideration even though he did get nominated for this role as his character and he's great um like and and i found myself having a hard time reading him like, I kind of thought, is he going to ultimately be this interesting ally to uh, Paul Newman? Because, you know, in just, 
I had seen The Color of Money like once long ago. So from what I remembered of that, I knew Paul Newman as this mentor figure to Tom Cruise's character and all of that. So part of me wanted to believe that he was going to be a somewhat of an ally in working with um, uh, Eddie, Eddie and wanting to, you know, help him get uh, this rematch against uh, Minnesota Fats and all of this. So he plays it in this really interesting way where, you know, he he's kind of uh, antagonizing him a little bit at first, but then when he comes around and says, you know, I see this potential in you, I want to work with you, uh, you know, I'll put you up and all of this, I'm thinking, okay, this could be a really interesting partnership um, and, and maybe a mutual kind of uh, positivity will come out of it for both of them. But then you see these little snakish turns from George C. Scott and it's just uh, really interesting and, and how he kind of is able to just hit that switch uh, so seamlessly uh, was really great to then you get to him at the end of this film just being this deplorable character um, was just really really great to see in that performance so I think this is just what George C. Scott always does so well because there's the scenes in this movie where he's coming across as really quite a cool figure yeah because he's a he's a gambler he's a gambler in the essence of poker he's a really well-known um notable poker player who who you know is always winning in that in that vein so he is a part he's adjacent to that world and understands the hustle of gambling and playing people and manipulation and being secretive and not showing all of your cards you know pun intended uh and uh you know playing it up and the acting aspect that comes out of the hustle so he mental games so even yes so even though he is not a pool player himself he understands what goes into a hustle so he taps you know eddie to be the playing body for the mind skills that he has uh and kind of puppets him almost in a way uh, you know, he's kind of the mastermind side of things, whereas, you know, Eddie can be his body puppet and, and play yeah. the game as he wants it's... to play it. Uh, yeah. So it becomes yeah. a, this really dark, you know, it opens as this really kind of cool partnership at first and flashy and interesting and then really warps into this dark, uh, terrible thing, which, which is really, really, really interesting. Yeah, if George C. Scott is is the mind of the operation in this movie between the two of them, that mind becomes infected. That mind becomes overcome with with evil thoughts. Yeah. And if Paul Newman, if Eddie is the heart of the movie, that heart becomes fuller and fuller and grows to be warmer and warmer and then he's completely broken yeah and results in beginning to fix those tears it has suffered by the end of the movie so we can look at these two characters as very much not i was going to say body and soul and really kind of fit things nicely together <laughs> but it's home. not that. Yeah. it's heart and mind it's heart yeah. and mind yeah and the mind is evil and the heart is pure pure yeah because eddie eddie is someone in the hustler who 
you never don't like. I don't think you ever don't like him in the hustle. I think there's times in the color of money where he can be a bit difficult and he, he starts being a bit unlikable. Yeah. But in the hustler, I think you're always with Eddie. And at some point you are with George C. Scott. You are right because he is completely captivating. It's what George C. Scott does best. He is able to be phenomenally charismatic. Yeah. Cool at times, yet also of obviously with that bark, with that yes. volcanic quality that will just explode out of him in the most spiteful array of abuse you've ever seen come yeah. out of a performer's mouth towards another character. And George C. Scott is outstanding at doing that all the time. And boy, does he do it so well in this movie. You can absolutely see why he was nominated for an Oscar yet obviously no, refused <laughs> that nomination he refused the 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 oscar he actually won as well yes, for Pat. Not, didn't he? Pat. so yeah. he he really you know he stuck to his guns let it never be said that george c scott yeah. was a flake yes, george c no, scott was not a flake yes um just to kind of yes very um and then just to kind of circle back to the romance that we touched on um piper laurie great in this film oscar nominated herself um you know the last film she would do for several years just to come back and get nominated again after what like a decade or so with carrie well it was a carrie wasn't it It yes 16 years yes yes and this was kind of her first big film role she had done a lot of other kind of smaller kind of fun little silly movies you know like adventure films like you know pirate kind of thing and stuff like that um and stage things so this was kind of her first big foray into like a serious film role so for her to get a nomination right off of that just brilliant and she was great in this film as this alcoholic woman who um you know wants to be loved and wants to have someone in her life but she knows that she is such a tragic person that, you know, maybe she doesn't feel like she'll ever get it. She kind of has resigned herself to this idea of being alone. So when this man wants to be with her, uh, she kind of wants him to be with her being fully aware of what she is. um, But kind of is also scared of it and also scared of, you know, uh, bringing somebody else into her tragedy. Um, And so she plays this broken woman so well, who is kind of hopeful and trying, you know, you see these moments when someone offers her another drink and she tries to say no, but then, you know, she, she just, you know, lets it happen anyway. And so you really feel for her. um, And and you talked about also Paul Newman being very attractive. And so I'm watching this and watching her in these scenes with him and thinking, how can she like act with him and not just like, be like falling in love because he is so handsome in this movie and i actually read trivia that she said she had a hard time like looking at him for like the first little bits of filming this movie because he was so damn attractive like she just had a difficult time like not like you know getting mesmerized by his how attractive he was but ultimately after a few you know scenes together she she kind of was able to get comfortable and 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 feel like the professional aspect but she does she did talk about how it was very difficult for her in in those first few moments of acting with him uh, which i thought funny Uh, because that what that's what i was actually thinking myself so to learn that that was actually kind of what was happening uh was kind of funny 
I can see why that would be difficult, especially when in every scene, just off camera, is Joanne Woodward staring yeah, at Yeah, exactly. It's, prob it's probably not what happened. Not There's no confirmation she, whatsoever. Yeah, but she was Joanne obviously Woodward there. Was around. Yes. yes. Well, no, she did talk about, you know, meeting Joanne and um, that she okay. would be there in times. And so that also kind of made her feel a little like, oh, this is going to be difficult. Um, especially, you know, kind of being her first big film anything. So um, there was no death stairs. There was no death no, no, stairs. No, 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 no. It was all very professional, but she just personally was like, you know, I'm doing these scenes with him and I'm looking at him and it's really hard because he's so attractive. But ultimately I got over that and was able to, you know, go forward with a very professional filming and it was great working with him. And, you know, she has nothing but great things to say about him um, uh, on this film. But I mean, she, um, she, she is though, she is outstanding in this movie. Um, like you say, that the two broken souls come together. They have very similar psyches, really. They're just in two very different worlds. There's, there's a yeah. They both have this addiction alcoholism. quality. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's the alcoholism from from Piper Laurie's side, and there's the addiction to winning on a on a pool table yeah. that Eddie has. That is are very similar mentalities. When you when you come to it, sometimes you want to drag yourself away because it's you know you, you're you're ultimately winning. You're feeling okay. You're feeling good, and then you go one step too far, and yeah. it just goes really downhill from there. The whole hustle side of the movie, the the journey they go on, they end up in is it Louisville that they end up yeah. in in Kentucky where. Murray Hamilton is his name Murray Hamilton it oh, is the the, the awful the, the the actor who's best at playing a weaselly terrible person yes yes the <laughs> mayor from Jaws shows yeah. up in the movie as this very weaselly creature who likes the game of billiards which is a, a odd form of, of billiard sport where there's no pockets and it's just artistic billiards flair um, it's flair play it's very precise you know kind of cannon play rather than pocket the balls play yeah um it's a completely different version and they try and have a little gambling go at this don't they and it maybe doesn't necessarily go phenomenally well well, yeah, because this is kind of, I want to say this is the first big mark for for the team up between George C. Scott and, and Eddie, um, as now they have this partnership that he pays for their, you know, and his whole bargain with him is that, you know, I get like, I think, what, 75% of, of your yeah, winnings? Because, yes, because I'm putting you up in, in the hotel and paying for your travel and all of these things. And, you know, I'll cover your losses as well. So because of that, you know, I want to get my investment back. And he also talks about how he's rich and he doesn't really need the money. So you you immediately get that it's more about the game of it, the, you know, the winning of it, the manipulation and power of it for him than the financial gain of it. And then he also manipulates kind of the uh, the need for it for eddie to you know have that winning side and the money side of it so he he preys on yeah. that because he doesn't need the money 
but he knows Eddie, you know, needs the money. And he also knows that Eddie, you know, wants this uh, kind of winning energy. So he he definitely manipulates that. But it's also in Louisville where we get the most devastating part of the whole. Yes, movie. yeah. Where at a, at, a, at a party, it kind of begins at a social gathering of some sort, a party of some sort, where George C. Scott walks up to Piper Laurie, whispers something in her ear. There's a great little story, behind-the-scenes story about this as well, where he never actually whispered anything in her ear, and it was all just the worst thing she could imagine. Yes. Um, <laughs> which is what gets this kind of shocked reaction. Um, and he just kind of said that to her because she was so fearful of what he could actually say, because somebody like George C. Scott would come out and say something absolutely horrific yeah, to get the performance, you know. But he also, you know, manipulates her before that as well, when they kind of have this moment alone in the hotel, um, and he kind of, you know, renders her useless to Eddie. Like, he doesn't really need you. You're just kind of in the way. And he, you know, in, in not so flowery, you know, in, in kind of flowery words, he he tells her that she's basically kind of expendable and useless. And you're telling this to someone who uh, already feels this, which is why they are so deep into alcoholism. So he's already kind of, again, playing with the power of, of the manipulation that he can use over these people he finds their weakness and, and exploits it for you know whatever gain he he wants to feel uh in, in this power play that he does so he already kind of says choice words to her um in different aspects and early on in the film um when they first arrive in kentucky to kind of just mess with her so then she ultimately gets very drunk at this party um and that's when he kind of you know says more to her in this whisper and uh, you don't really know what he says to her and it only kind of declines from there yes it uh it results in an incredibly unpleasant sequence of events where georgie scott essentially causes the death of piper laurie in this yeah. movie the assumed suicide of piper laurie in this movie due to his completely overbearing overwhelming intense manipulative nature yes he once he takes it one step too far in his game that he's playing yeah as well does he feel any remorse for this no no and the fact that we know that he left her with this thought that eddie didn't want her because she gets drunk at this party they have to put her in a room upstairs to sleep it off um you know she comes back down uh after kind of sleeping it off and is telling uh eddie like let's just go don't trust him you know you are better than this you don't have to you know uh, succumb to his manipulations or be sucked into the game in, in in a way that's going to break you. Like, you don't have to be this deplorable thing that this game is making you be. Um, and he kind of just blows her off and ignores her. And so then she leaves. And then the last thing that George C. Scott tells her is that, you know, Eddie, uh, you know, he wanted you to leave. He wanted me to give you this money and tell you to go. And all of this kind of uh, stuff that's just not true. 
So she's already thinking that, like, you know, because the how her she left things with Eddie, it would be very easy for her to believe that he wanted her gone. Um, and so she believes this, and that's what, you know, the last kind of thing she ends up thinking, which is really heartbreaking. <clears throat> it is. It is. And it's doubly heartbreaking when Eddie comes back and realizes what's happened and who's caused it yeah. to happen. Mm-hmm. And it explodes. No remorse, like you said, yeah. There's no remorse from George C. Scott at all because his mind is totally fixed on the money. He just wants the money. He wants to keep up his own status. He is a phenomenally selfish individual in this movie. Burt Gordon, we should be using his actual name because this isn't actually George C. Scott. This Burt Gordon. And, and, And yes, I think all of this and finding Sarah... Uh, Piper Laurie's character in this state and ha- knowing that it was caused by Bert. Uh, it's kind of the the Phoenix rising moment, the fire lit for him yeah. to kind of break yeah. out from underneath him. And so he ends up going and playing uh, Minnesota Fats again and ultimately giving this great monologue, this speech, uh, uh, you know. While playing while playing and hitting every shot and being brilliant and condemning Bert the whole time to where Bert actually, uh, you know, kind of breaks down. And it's, it's in this moment where he really feels, he feels that he, he finally feels something about what he's done and the guilt uh, because of this great speech that, that Eddie is giving as he's just, you know, hitting every shot and every mark um, and coming back from this broken state that he was in. So it's such a brilliant kind of final scene for the movie. This uh, definitely like a Phoenix rising moment for the character, for sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's a, it's a very elongated scene. It's another full pool match that you do see. There's this great respect that Fats clearly has for him as Mm -hmm. well in that final match. It wasn't quite there at the start. You know, at the start in that first match, it was very much him thinking, okay, this, you know, this kid's good, but I'm going to win in the end. I've got more stamina than him. I can do this all day. It's a Captain America. I can do this all day. (laughs) Yeah. He literally does do it all day. Yeah. But in the second match, you know, Eddie's gone through such struggle. Eddie's gone through such a, a whirlwind of emotion, a, a, a series of untrustworthy people learning to learning that he is really the only person that he can trust. This is an individual sport. This is all about you. Yeah. This is mm-hmm. all about what is inside you. Everybody else cannot influence you in your yeah. own mind, in your own heart and it it is all about you and you Bert have broken my heart you caused Sarah's death we didn't need to go through that level of struggle but the movie gives you that gut punch and gives Eddie that gut punch to really send him over the edge not in a bad way over the edge in in a good way where he turns over comes to this realization as it were he comes to this realization fats notices this in the last game there's a real real respect growing from the two of them you get the sense that they will continue playing just for playing 
against each other in the years to come and a big middle finger from the both of them really to george to, c to scott yeah <laughs> there is that one great line delivery as well from george c scott where he just he's at his he's at his worst in this final game and he scream i'm not going to scream it down the microphone now because it is just too <laughs> loud but it's the i want my money line yeah. just, the, the volume of which he says the yes. word money, it's just outrageous you can imagine everybody there just jumping out of the skin yes josie's <laughs> got a phenomenally loud person anyway yeah growling well, as you kind of said yeah growly always growling he's the snarliest actor uh, we very much like george he's got but it's it's great it, it feels so satisfying to see bert completely alone at the end yeah. of this movie and without anybody to prop him up because he doesn't deserve that he deserves nothing and he gets nothing at the end of this movie eddie begins to build up his love of the game again his new his new outlook on the game his new outlook on who to trust in life on life in general and love in general and respect for others which he never had at yeah. the beginning it's mirrored greatly in the color of money yes yeah with tom cruise as as we move in to talking about this movie what i actually find most fascinating i think about the color of money though is it's very different uh lead woman <laughs> mary elizabeth mastrantonio is i think yeah. how you say her name in the color of money is basically george c scott in uh, in in the hustler or is the closest to george c scott she's ruthless she is relentless she wants the money all yeah. the time she's yes. willing to go to whatever lengths to get the money and tom cruise gets kind of annoyed with her and keeps yeah. getting more and more annoyed with her to which she has to shout back at him quite a lot in the movie i'm doing it for the money it's for us it's for the money it's yes yes and absolutely yes fascinating and what's movie. interesting with that is that you would think that paul newman is more of the george c scott character but you can tell especially if you watch these movies kind of back to back you can tell that he's learned something from that he's learned you know the cultivating of this mentor mentee relationship from bert but yeah he wants to do it his own way he doesn't want to take it to this dark place so i love that you can tell the character of eddie has learned something of what not to do of what you know because he saw how bert took it too far and had the kind of wrong motivations in the end ultimately um but kind of almost respects how he went about kind of starting the relationship between the two of them that he kind of cherry picks aspects of Bert's technique 
and applies that to his relationship with Vinny, but does it his own way with this level of uh, of respect that he, he you know that Bert didn't have. Yeah. But what I love, what I love about Eddie in The Color of Money is that he's still a very flawed man. Yeah. He's still a very flawed character. He doesn't really play pool anymore. He stings. He still hangs about in the pool room. He manages a few people every now and again. John Turturro, Turturro yeah. one of them, who he's kind yeah. of managing and and setting up a few games for. Yet their relationship is a little bit bickering. At times yeah. as well in this movie, John Turturro, I think, gets a bit tired of Eddie and his obsession with Tom Cruise. But should we not have an obsession with a, a character like Vince in this movie? He is yeah. a complete raw talent, far more of a raw talent than Eddie was at the beginning of The yeah. Hustler. Yeah, yeah, and very kind of lively and showboaty. And, uh, and this yeah. is, but this is what I mean by it's a raw talent. There's absolutely no patience with no. Vince at all. There's no calm quality. There's no mental game with Vince. It no. is just all dancing about, prancing about, doing some sort of Bruce Lee maneuver with a cue, and, and then yes. smacking a ball in. And and no finesse in terms of thinking about uh, you know the long game. He he's very much short game. I'm going to win this, and that's the end of it. Yeah. Um, there's a whole Which is why it's where... perfect that that game is nine ball that's played in the color of Yes, money because, because there's no patience. Short and lucky. Yes. Um, and so that definitely plays into their dynamic of, of really, there's a scene that really illustrates how much Vinny has to learn because um, he, uh, the idea that Eddie's trying to show him is that, you know, if we go to this small town, we can tap it and get thousands of dollars over time. If we play it right, you lose a couple small games, win your money back and no one's the wiser. But if you go showboating right off the bat, showing everyone how good you are dancing around to werewolves of London, <laughs> you know, yes. you're going to get a couple hundred bucks from this one game. But now the word on the street is out that you're the best pool player and no one's going to want to play. you. The hustle is over. So I, I love kind of this hard lesson that he ends up learning in this moment of how important the long game is, because then that ultimately plays into what Vince learns and, and, and executes at the end of the film uh, to, to the uh, detriment of our, our Eddie, our, our sweet Eddie. <laughs> um, so, you know, we see that the lesson has been learned, but in a very difficult way for the the character of Eddie, um, but yes, to to set him up as a very different um, kind of uh, uh, novice player uh, that still has a lot because I, Eddie obviously in the Hustler had a lot to learn, but in a very different way. So I like that we're not kind of just regurgitating the same dynamic and story. You can tell um, that, or that Eddie just like sees himself in, in Vince and that's why he wants to mentor him. He He's very much different from him. He sees maybe elements that, you know, uh, are similar in terms of the ego and things like that, but he's very different from him. Um, and so I think that's what makes their dynamic a lot more um, uh, interesting uh, than yeah. kind of the more straightforward dynamic between uh, Bert and him in, in The Hustler. It is. There's, there's a, a real flashiness 
to Vince that there wasn't really with Eddie. Eddie yeah. played the shots he knew how to play. He played them with focus, he played them with concentration, and he played them well. Vince is playing no-look shots. Vince is playing behind-the-back shots. Vince is playing weird jump shots. Yeah. Vince is playing all these kind of strange masse shots. And Eddie in The Hustler, okay, he plays one masse shot, which was actually the shot that Moscone himself played yeah. in, in, in that movie because nobody could masse properly. And to be <laughs> honest with you, it's very difficult to masse properly. I don't really, I can't really do it properly <laughs> at all. Um, but all the other things he's he's playing with pure focus. Vince hardly ever plays with pure focus. Yeah. In, yeah. It, it, it's he's he's almost acts like he's coked out of his mind. And maybe this is just it being a, a flashy eighties setting, you know, nineteen eighty six, obviously the movie and everything being rather heightened, the movie making style being rather heightened. Scorsese definitely bringing his fondness for showing excess in people in yeah. this movie in a, in a great sense. You know, I think it's probably best done in Goodfellas, that kind of desire for excess and, you know, need to keep going and keep going and keep going. Yeah. And But four years before, he's, he's, he's on the same train. With the colour of money, it's just less yeah. serious, and it's it's yeah. it's more person to person, and it's not uh, ultimately what is half a true story um, that Goodfellas yeah. <laughs> is. But it's that same idea, and I like that about it. While being two completely different movies, the colour of money is still a full sports movie. There's a final tournament. It's got more in common with the karate kid that it's got. Yes, we've got a whole montage of of Eddie showing uh, Vince how to play and, and, you know, how to do the hustle right and, um, you know, be more measured in in how he goes about the game. Uh, So, yeah, we do get our whole kind of little sports training montage as well. Yeah. yeah. I love, I love as well that the, the older characters in the color of money really just immediately shake their heads at Tom Cruise. Perhaps this is just me and, you know, my relationship with Tom Cruise coming out again. And this is definitely why I hadn't watched the color of money up until this point, despite having obviously watched the hustler quite a few times up until this point. But we know my, uh, my Tom Cruise situation from version, mostly yes. from Morgan hasn't seen, you know, if, if, you, yeah. if you are a listener of that show, of course. <laughs> but you know, you have you have Bill Cobbs in the movie mm-hmm. who immediately shakes yeah. his head at Tom Cruise and goes, what is this boy doing? doing? Are you sure about yeah. this boy, Eddie? Eddie, with your lovely little Paul Newman moustache that you've grown yes, between Yeah, he looks so good. <laughs> Um, is Paul Newman going into the Mustache Hall of Fame for? Is Paul Newman in the Mustache Hall of Fame? I don't know. Paul Newman's got to be in the Mustache Hall of Fame, hasn't he? Why? Why? Yeah. Why do I not? No, he won't be. No, he won't no. be. Did he not he have a mustache? Be, Unless I'm stunningly misremembering <laughs> his whole face from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, he did not have a mustache in that movie. 
he didn't. Robert Redford obviously had a mustache. That one, yes. Morgan. Um, no, he won't be. Should he go in for the colour of money? It's not I mean, technically an old Hollywood movie. I don't like putting him in for the colour of money, Janine. I'm not doing it. Okay, okay. Even though we're covering it on the show, because yes, I you we have had some deja vu mustaches where you refuse to put them in. So I guess for consistency's sake. Um. If you'd have had one in the hustler, it can it can go in, but they mustaches weren't really in in the early sixties, were they? No, no, that was that was much more of a seventies thing at that point, and that's beside the point. Regardless, um. I like the attitude that these older characters have towards Fince in in The Colour of Money because he needs a more aggressive style of shouting at and telling yeah. him he's wrong than Eddie did. Eddie didn't need the hardships he went through psychologically in The Hustler to actually get where he would have gotten. He just needed to stick it out and learn the fact he goes through those hardships might have helped him on that journey to he learn need yeah. them yeah. vince needs shouting at vince needs berating vince needs smacking up a bit yeah he needs focus he's very much uh, a hothead in a lot of situations as well so he definitely needs someone constantly smacking with perspective because he thinks he knows best and you know is perfectly very young and perfectly content with uh you know showboating without thinking ahead and like again not really thinking about the importance of the long game so it's something he really has to rein in um but then once he sees kind of money is rolling in because of it um and because of the things that eddie taught him he he really starts to to learn that lesson to like i said uh the detriment of eddie when he ultimately uses everything he's learned from eddie against him so yeah, uh, yeah. which is is the is the tough storyline of eddie himself in the color yeah. of money the fact that Vince brings him back into loving the game and wanting yeah. to play the game again, that he then takes, obviously, very seriously. He gets really kind of tragically hustled by a young Forrest Whitaker. Yes, yes. So, yeah, in just the training of, of Vince and showing him how to do it and the hustle and them really kind of being successful and having this good partnership and a genuine like good rapport i think he's feeling good yeah. that i i've been able to do what bert did but better and in a more uh respectful way for the respect of the game for the respect of you know somebody in this vein he even like you know because we remember back to bert requesting like 75 percent and thinking that was ludicrous and so him even asking like less than what bert would ask in that situation i think he asked for 60 percent and um yeah uh, so i love that you know he's kind of doing it his way and there's a respect between them um definitely so then when he does uh you know in this training kind of find himself falling in love with playing again you know it this spark is ignited for him and so he ends up playing yes against this young Forge Whitaker who seems very and and again how I what I talked about in the hustler how this movie shows 
uh, kind of different from The Hustler, this movie shows different kind of styles of The Hustle. And, and Forrest Whitaker having his own kind of likable, average guy, like really cool, upbeat uh, style. And so it isn't until a, a certain point that uh, Eddie even knows he's been hustled because he asks him, hey, can you make this... You know, this shot again which is a nice call back to the hustler because when we first meet eddie his whole kind of grift is uh getting people to bet that he can't make the same kind of trick shot twice in a row yeah and, and he ultimately does it and that's what opens up the hustler so when he does ask him hey can you do that shot again and he sees him do it and forrest whitaker just laughably like plays it off oh my gosh that never happens uh, just a lucky guy like you know and, and even like oh you know when he sees that when he when uh eddie starts asking him because he's starting to read he's like he asks him several times are you a hustler are you a hustler and forrest whitaker doesn't want to answer and he's like you know man i don't want any bad feelings here you don't have to pay me if you don't want to and he's just being very kind of nice about it and it isn't until you know that moment that eddie really realizes that he's been hustled because uh you know Forrest Whitaker's style is so different from his own and from other you know people he's seen who do this uh yeah so yeah so he feels so dumb and I love that moment that scene where he think you know, he's just there and he leans his arm against the wall and he's talking to himself and he's just feeling so dumb for getting hustled like how could you let yourself get sucked in by this and you know get hustled by this guy you should have you know read it from miles away and he's like really just frustrated with himself and we hear him you know talking to himself and, and, and kicking himself like that it's such a great scene i think this is it, it absolutely exemplifies what is what i'm saying is tough about eddie in this movie and i mean tough to watch because I can see within Paul Newman's performance that here is an Eddie that ultimately just wants to be alone with a pool table somewhere now. Yeah. That, that's that's all he wants. He doesn't even want to go through the mind games. He's too old for this now. He wants to calm everything down and enjoy the game he loves. Yeah, and then go back. And... So then after this moment, he goes back to basics, really. He does, he tries to, he tries to because he realizes that he can't play these gambling mental games anymore. Yeah, he he's can't an older his head. Mm -hmm. There are, there are too many, like you say, too many different styles of hustling now. That, that are he can't even read. One. Yeah, that he can't even read. They're opposed to the one that he is going for with Vince. That the 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 story from from then on with eddie entering this tournament that has been the centerpiece of the goal for the whole movie the 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 journey to atlantic city via all these small towns hustling around um he enters that tournament as just somebody that wants to play to a professional yeah. degree he just yes. wants to win that Oh, he, well, whether he wants to win it, he wants to show wants that he can play. still play a yes. great game mm -hmm. or in a professional degree, aside from the difficult 
gambling mind games and, 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 yes and, and the, the mind games that kind of goes in the manipulation that goes into that which also again i think makes the character feel like the same character who has learned from what he went through in the hustler who has learned that you know look what the manipulation uh to this kind of harsh degree can do and he gets a, a small taste of that after losing to force whitaker and and kind of almost he, he plays it like you know we can read it as him feeling like he's so close to that hard moment he went through in the hustler and he feels like he could be back there again and so that's when he kind of backs away and after that loss he tells uh vince that he's done working with him he's like i look you know I've, I've kind of embarrassed myself. Uh, so I'm in no position to be the person to train you and, and guide you to Atlantic city, you know, so we should part ways. Here's money for the rest of your way to make it on your own. I've taught you obviously everything I can teach you because I am in no place to teach anybody after what just happened to me. So he parts ways with, with Vince, who is not happy about this. Um, and then ultimately kind of, like I said, goes back to basics, playing these kind of just basic games for money here, you know, and, and we see this whole kind of montage of him playing these smaller uh, games with with people and then working his way up to the tournament on his own just because he's he's been reignited uh, with the love for playing without kind of all of these mind games, as you said. Yeah, and there's such a focus there. It, it's essentially a training montage because there's definite training setups. Yeah, so we see him lose and himself. then win it back, and yeah, yeah. But there's 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 so much focus there. There's pure-hearted focus yeah. there. And look in in this whole game of the color of money please let's not discredit the impact mary elizabeth master antonio has yes, of yes. everything that's going on when i say she is the closest thing we get to bert in this movie she she really really is she is stunningly driven for you know ambitious to a real fault she wants everything and at times, this is where Eddie, I think, perhaps becomes a touch unlikable in The Colour of Money. It's where he uses, he uses Carmen's, her name, he uses Carmen's ambition against Vince to try and get Vince to focus up. And he yes. kind of manipulates their relationship in yes. a little and bit of a way. That I felt, this is what I mean again when I say that Eddie's kind of tough to watch in this because I, from the hustler, you never don't like Eddie. He's always a likable character. But in this movie, he starts as a bit kind of, oh, this is a this is a different Eddie. This is yeah. this is a bit more of a not a ruthless, but but a bit more manipulative maybe he's learned too much, too much. from yeah. Bert. has he learned too much from Bert? is he taking the wrong lessons from Bert? oh thank god he's actually it's all a bit of an act and by the end of this movie again he's realizing that it should have all really just be about the love, love of, of the, the game. game and he yes. himself goes through again some tough times in it which makes me as 
somebody who is who has can have these feelings on a pool table of where it's not going particularly right and you just want it to go so right so it feels so relieving when it does go right and you actually win something for that to then be discounted in the way it's discounted oh yeah that movie. is such a heartbreaking moment it kills you at that point yeah really really kills you at that point because you've gone not just on the journey with eddie from the hustler but the journey of eddie within this movie from falling in love with the game as, again yeah but falling in love with the game again but someone we've seen as maybe burt like maybe not fully but maybe to somebody that has fallen in love with the game and then gets his own Bert-like persona thrown back on his face at the very end. Yeah. Or, you know, 10 minutes before the end of the movie. Yeah, I think it's such a really interesting switch up on the dynamic that you talked about. Um, You know, because we have the, uh, you know... Uh, protege and his girl and then our backer mentor character and you know so that's what we got in the hustler and so the fact that we have that same dynamic but the roles have kind of switched with Carmen kind of being the Bert in her greed and willingness to do whatever it takes uh, to, to kind of get the money um, and Eddie really kind of being a little bit of the Sarah you know, at a certain point when he realizes kind of the mind games have gone too far and, you know, kind of protecting his peace in a way and kind of going back to the basics um, ends up kind of making him a bit of the Sarah. So then we see him really take the best parts of Sarah and Bert uh, and kind of learning from that, which really is, is uh, a tra traits that make him feel like the same character, which I think you want from, from this movie. You want it to feel like the same person. And so you feel like he's picked up from the people that were really significant in uh, the shift for him, that he's really picked up a lot from them uh, in his moments. And you see that particularly in his scenes with the Carmen character, for sure. Yeah, but in a weird way, is 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 Vince not also Sarah? In a weird way, think think about it. In a weird way, is Eddie not still Eddie from the Hustler, and Vince being Sarah? And I mean that in the sense that there just needs to be a separation of these two people for them yes. to actually get where they need to both go. Yes. Yeah. I, and I definitely obviously, you know, it doesn't end well for Sarah. I'm not saying it ends well for Sarah. I'm saying that the separation fact, you know, Eddie getting rid of Vince from his mind towards the end of this movie helps him. Much like losing Sarah ultimately helped it him. Helped, yeah, yeah. But Vin it also helps Vince, kind of. When Eddie goes, when he doesn't have to deal with Eddie anymore, because it's then kind of him and Carmen being really focused on their own kind of unscrupulous way of playing pool. Yeah, without pool. yes, without kind of this heart of Eddie there to to kind of rein in how far the manipulation goes. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating, really. The the similarities between the two movies 
yet these really interesting differences with with your three main characters i find the color of money to be such a a wonderful and necessary legacy sequel because it is technically yeah one of the, the earliest ones it feels so different from the hustler in in style i mean you you have more of a post-noir tendency i think to the hustler where you know this is very much a scorsese excess movie and you can be you know the color of money you can be forgiven for forgetting it's a scorsese movie because you might not immediately think of the color of money when you think of your favorite scorsese movies but watching it it very clearly is a scorsese movie it looks like a Scorsese movie. It moves like a Scorsese yeah. movie. It's rapidly paced like a Scorsese movie. The Hustler is a, a, not plodding, but it's a more thoughtful kind of peacefully paced movie, almost. Not a peaceful thematic movie, but a peacefully paced movie. And The Colour of Money is just in your face bang there's some things happening look at all this look at all these events and things going yeah. on all the time look at all this movement all the time ah let's scream in your face because we're all off our head on drugs it's the mid-80s yeah. that's the point <laughs> yeah that's the point that's what i really enjoyed about the color of money it took me a little time because i think i'd left the hustler obviously with with very positive feelings about our main character and i think i began the color of money with less than positive feelings about our main character so i was thinking do i even like the color of money but mm. by the end of the movie yes, totally yes. my mind has figured itself out i've gone oh my god do i really love the color of money this is a wonderful sequel and what a great exploration of its own ideas from its own time and, and switching it up in this way giving it an extra layer having your lead girl be as powerful as she is in this movie and not as tragically unpowerful as she is in the hustler because yeah. i feel like carmen runs this movie low-key she really does and i really like that as bad as she can be at times the movie's not afraid to make her look bad at times and really as great as piper laurie is in the hustler as wonderful as she plays such a tragic character i feel like that character is there's almost no, not saying there's no hope, that's the wrong way of putting it, but there's no positivity within her life at all. No, and she's there's just no really meant... no within her, her character at all. And Yeah, her tragedy is just meant to drive, you know, the motivations of, of Eddie ultimately and give him this redemptive um, kind of Which shot. Which I don't love. 
of integrity. Yes. I mean, it's kind of like from what I understand from this concept that, you know, people talk about, I think more in kind of comics and things is, you know, fridging a character where their death um, ultimately is just meant to service the lead character, you know, um, yeah, them and it, not as much agency as, as the character could have, where, where I think Sarah gets a little bit better treatment than fridged characters. Her ultimate purpose as a character, I think, is meant to to drive Eddie by the end to this big shining moment of 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 uh you know growth and integrity which i do like that both of these mom these movies end with eddie getting this moment of showing character and integrity um but how we get there i think is it is much more well executed in the color of money than it is in the hustler yeah i mean ultimately they're both wonderful movies and i think this has been a wonderful episode yes. of It's a Wonderful Podcast. Janine, if, of course, you are happy to leave the show there, do you have anything else to say about The Hustler and or The Colour <laughs> of Money? Uh, no, just I, I really loved kind of taking a comparative look at these films. Uh, I think I'd only seen The Color of Money once long ago. So this was kind of like a basically a first time watch for me. Um, so yes, just have loved. Uh, and I and, and this was my first time watch of The Hustler. So really enjoyed uh, kind of following this character um, and, and really having him feel like the same person and, and just a, a solid uh, depiction of a different type of sport that maybe people wouldn't think of uh, and just generally enjoyed the series and generally enjoyed uh, this week of Paul Newman because I think he is someone who I am not uh, well watched on. Uh, so it was great to kind of in inject more of his films uh, into my, uh, you know, repertoire. So, <laughs> And you certainly want to be now, given that you found yourself swooning again. Yes. One of our male leads. Yes, definitely. On the crush list. On the classics crush list. This has been list. like week to week to week <laughs> to week mean? now, hasn't it? That you've been like, that you've been I mean. That spellbound. Spellbound with Gregory Peck, who yes. obviously for you. Sorry, wrong number, Burt Lancaster. <laughs> I was weirded out that it was that movie that got you. Uh, yeah, like Burt Lancaster. 100%. Maybe now maybe not maybe not Poitier last week. No, but Poitier perhaps in other things. Yes, but maybe most not definitely. him in Raisin in the Sun. Yes, and okay. uh, and now. And now Paul Newman again, an understandable choice from from <laughs> from my point of view. I mean, Morgan's crush list, not Morgan's. Morgan's crush list doesn't really exist, does it? Unfortunately, even though I think we should we should start one. We should try yes. and start one. Well, you've got your mustache list. I've got my crush list. <laughs> I do, yeah. And perhaps you should start a, a mustache list Maybe of your I own. Um, and don't take this in in the wrong way because i do not in any sense mean the character she's playing but i i do find this era of mary elizabeth mastrantonio rather attractive yes well she's gorgeous not carmen carmen i wouldn't no. Carmen just doesn't the work for me herself. because she's yes. far too intense yeah relax carmen stop being so <laughs> greedy but yes. um 
Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. The yeah. mid eighties Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Yeah. I can. Uh, yeah. yeah. I can Get vibe it. with. Sure. Yeah. Shall we say? <laughs> so we'll go for that. We'll go for that as perhaps one of one of the original Morgan's crush list, even though it's only the sequel to the real old Hollywood. Yes. It's a wonderful podcast movie, even <laughs> though it's the mid is the early sixties old Hollywood. We class it as that. Yes, we do. Wonderful podcast purposes but there we go for this episode 1961's the hustler 1986's the color of money the end of our old hollywood meets new series the end of paul newman week it has been a treat mr newman thank you very much Yay. it has been a treat miss bacall miss mr mr peck we'll call gregory in there as well even though we yeah. had a, a 250th um, Mr. Lancaster, Mr. Poitier, and Mr. Newman. Yes. It has been a treat with you all. We're excited for February, as we always are. Yeah. On the, on the, it's a wonderful podcast on both shows. It's going to be very, very fun. It's even more exciting. Next week is episode three hundred of It's a Wonderful Podcast. What a ridiculous number that is! Three hundred episodes. Of It's a Wonderful Podcast. Over six years of It's a Wonderful Podcast. Yes. What's going on? How? Why? <clears throat> Why? Because we love it. But how <laughs> is a valid question, I think. Staggering. I love that. It's yeah. going to be great. Big special milestone episode coming next week on the show. But it's not the only show we have. Morgan hasn't seen is, of course, there every single Wednesday on the It's a Wonderful podcast feed. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts on all major podcast platforms. Leave your ratings, leave your reviews, answer those little questions on Spotify. Uh, subscribe and ding your notification bell on the It's a Wonderful podcast YouTube channel for all the fun stuff we have up there and have going up there too. If you want to support us on Patreon or donate in any such way, there are links in the description of this episode to go and do that. We can't do what we do without that generous support, and we love all our patrons so very dearly. We do. You can, of course, also find us on social media, on Twitter at It's a Wonderful One. Find me on Twitter at The Purple Dom with a three instead of the E and the because, Janine, Three is the magic number. That's something we'll be saying a lot of next <laughs> yes. Um, You can also find me on Instagram, TikTok, and threads at the Purple Dom. Janine, all your smacking balls together stuff is where. <laughs> oh, yes. yes, yes, I said that exactly right. Oh, exactly no. right. Um... Exactly how I wanted to. <laughs> you can <laughs> find me. <laughs> Oh, Lord. You can find me at Janine Devine underscore on Twitter, Janine Devine on Instagram, TikTok, and Threads. If you want to get any merch for any of our shows, just check the description for the link or search It's a Wonderful Podcast on teespring.com. And if you want to purchase any of my art and print form, you can find that at my big cartel shop, g9design.bigcartel.com. <laughs> That's what you do when you play pool. Yes, it's, it's, just yes, yes. Uh -huh. it's just what happens. It's just what happens. Don't know if Paul Newman's got a distinct enough no. voice for an impression. Not really. I mean, I'm not quite sure who to ask you for. Although, now that I think about it, it's plainly obvious 
take your earphones out, people. Janine, give us a George C. Scott to count us down. <laughs> I don't know if I can growl very well, but... Three, two, one. <laughs> Where's my money? money. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.